1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News and what's going to turn out to be a special edition of the Manchester is Red podcast after Manchester United's game against Liverpool on Sunday afternoon, scheduled for Sunday afternoon, was postponed due to mass protests uh, outside Old Trafford and also outside the Manchester United team hotel against the Glazers, Um, a huge um, demonstration from the United fan base, lots to to talk about, lots of events and comments. Um, Happy to be joined by Samuel Luckhurst and Tyrone Marshall. Hello to both of you.
0: Hello, good. Good afternoon.
1: And you were both on the scene at times at Old Trafford on Sunday afternoon. We thought we might get a a football match and events quickly turned uh, in a very different direction. Fans going onto the pitch at first, some invading the stadium, some a minority uh, getting in trouble with the police, but most of it going fairly peacefully samuel what was your your take on exactly what happened and and what it has achieved really exactly i know that uh, you've written about it being one of the united fans greatest victories in in actually getting the game called off and, and making a, a massive demonstration that the glazers won't ignore
2: yeah i mean how long have you got where do you start it was it, it was it was strange trying to write that piece uh, last night as well because again I, I i wasn't too sure what what the starting point was what it was going to com- encompass in, in totality because there was so much that that did go on yesterday when i arrived at the ground uh, contact sent me pictures of, of fans at the lowry because he was at the lowry and immediately i thought i'm in the wrong place here because if those fans weren't going to be moved you weren't going to get a game and that's what turned out to be the case uh it was I mean, Jose Mourinho was probably the most uh, famous inhabitant at the Lowry, and I think it was a diversion tactic that he would have marvelled at yesterday, the fact that everyone was drawn to the protest outside Old Trafford for 2pm. But the Lowry, as, as some of the fans was, spoke to uh, yesterday, they they said that, you know, that's, that's where it's all happening, really. But it, it was it was lively at Old Trafford as well, where Ty and myself were yesterday. Steve Robson from the news desk was, was sent to the Lowry Hotel. So fortunately, we had all bases covered. And it was pretty clear from, from my perspective anyway, as soon as I got there, that there was something reassuring about it because the makeup of the support was very, very, it, it was the quintessential Manchester United support. You saw, I saw so many familiar faces, Stretford Enders, South Standers, Away Dayers, you name it. And it was not a protest for the faint of heart that there was a fan TV presence there, but they might as, they were so on the periphery, they might as well have been on one of the barges on the River Irwell. I think if they hadn't have known already, they probably knew yesterday that there's quite a sizable contingent of the fan base that, don't don't welcome them and and don't want them there, which you you suspected for quite some time anyway. But when it's that heated yesterday, and and one of the chants was explicitly aimed at them, I think the message couldn't have been clearer. And I, th- I think you, you've done a good piece this morning, Darmian the myth that's been perpetuated by a lot of pundits and i think a lot of media outlets are making the the same error of just going to former footballers for their take on a fan protest when most of these footballers will not have paid to have attended a game in the last two decades three decades however long it will have been i was pretty staggered when my my dad informed me what Graeme Souness was saying and, and also what Michael Richards was saying, how he's an ambassador for Manchester City and look at what great work the owners have done there. Um, I mean, that's that's a point we'll touch on later on. But United fans were there to protest against the Glazers. They weren't there to protest against the football club. It was against the Glazer family and and their lackeys, really, that those who've done their bidding on this side of the pond for the last 16 years. And yeah, I, I suppose the irony was that the Glazers might have still been in been in bed they might still have been asleep while these protests were going on but of course they'll have been brought up to speed pretty quickly Uh, around about two o'clock I mean there there were a lot of fans there already I'd say an hour in advance an hour and a half in advance of the 2 p.m. official start time but just after two o'clock it was almost like everyone just there was this sudden stream towards the Munich tunnel and I don't know what prompted it but I suppose it was because the barricades were brought out quite they were quite I don't know what the best way of uh, best, best way to say it is but it, it was quite restrictive, and it was pretty clear that if you were going to co- have thousands congregating there, it would also be quite dangerous. And as Ty said, those barricades are not that heavy; they look heavy, but it seems like they're not heavy given the uh, the violent scenes that that were witnessed yesterday. And pretty much they were toppled, and all the fans converged on that little stream that goes towards the Munich tunnel and to the South Stand. The South Stand is the smallest stand in the ground it's where the director's box is it's it's where you know press boxes. it's the, the main faces who are at games they sit there but it's also the munich tunnel so you have to go through that tunnel to get access to the to the turnstiles but of course where it was kind con- of where that southwest corner was just completely filled with supporters there are entrances to the stadium and it seems as though some of the entrances weren't locked tightly enough and the fans obviously got in they crossed the line literally in terms of going on the pitch and one I think one of the match balls ended up back at the Lowry as well and some equipment was damaged I was told that from someone who was at the Lowry that when one of the police officers told a photographer that the game would still go ahead because it was the, the stadium was still deemed COVID compliant because the dressing rooms hadn't been kicked in or um compromised. One of the orchestrators of at the Lowry overheard this was earwigging and got on the phone to some one of his comrades at the stadium and said, look, if you want to get this game postponed, you're going to have to kick the dressing rooms in, uh, kick the doors in. Now, that didn't happen. There were some staff who were watching events unfold on the television inside the home dressing room. I've not heard any reports of, of anyone hurt, any staff members hurt. The, the only uh, sadly the only incident was the, the police officer who was slashed in the face which obviously is is something that you, you just automatically uh condone but fortunately the staff inside the stadium weren't weren't targeted at all and in the end the fans didn't need to breach the dressing rooms because they managed to get the game postponed there were some fans outside the stadium who started filtering away at about 3 p.m because and i've heard them say like you know if we stick around the game's going to be called off there were some who literally wanted to go and protest and then watch the game at a pub or at home wherever but as they filtered down to matt bosby way to leave there would be more fans coming from the opposite direction most of them with crates of beers ready to get stuck in and to continue the protest and it was only when it was about four o'clock that the forecourt started to be cleared out when you had those you know, that, that scuffle that occurred between uh, police officers and, and a minority of fans. And it, it has to be stressed it was a minority. I know the news footage can give the impression that it was the majority, but there were thousands there yesterday at Old Trafford. And it, it was truly a minority. And, and Ty is certainly the one who's better placed to discuss that as, as he was he was at the scene for that. I'd, I'd gone back to John Gilbert Way where the coaches were due to pull into Old Trafford in case they ever pulled in there.
1: Yeah, Ty, we can say, you know, pretty with amount of surety that some elements of the, the protest obviously, you know, can't be condoned. And there are, you know, those violent elements that Samuel referred to. But it was about more than that, really. And I mean, you could give more detail about the feeling that, that you sensed when you were, you were down there and, you know, how how peaceful it, it was and, and what the, the vast majority of fans were actually saying about why they were there and, and what they wanted to achieve. Yeah, I mean, it, you know,
0: it, it was peaceful until it ended pretty abruptly at four twenty. And like we say, we you can't condone that and what happened. It was obvious that the beer had played a part by then. And in a protest of that size, that includes, you know, lads getting together, especially when they've not seen each other for so long, there's probably always the chance it's, it's going to spill over. And unfortunately, it did. But until then, you know, the atmosphere was you'd probably say boisterous, but what you'd expect of a football crowd and a football protest, really. And it was boisterous but but peaceful. There was a lot of anti Glazer chants. There was a lot of United chants. Red Army chants for Vidic and Park and Solskjaer, um, and it was generally fans I would say having having a good time, but making their making their points crystal clear. And it, it wasn't you know it wasn't long between chants against the Glazers, and obviously we saw the, the scenes of people getting on the the pitch there the first breach of that happened through one of the big red exit gates which which can only be opened from the inside and quite a few people who i spoke to who were nearby there said it was opened from the inside obviously we don't know why that happened or whether they thought the sheer weight of numbers banging on the door thought there was some kind of incident outside but it seems once that was open fans flooded through and, and got on the pitch and then i think we've all seen the footage of the the glass door being kicked in as well which allowed fans into the old boardroom a little bit later on so you know it it was certainly boisterous outside the ground but nothing that nothing certainly nothing untoward and until the incident towards the end by that stage police had moved in to kind of block off where the entrances to the stadium are and and just make sure there was no one else getting in the stadium and then I think you know there, there was a rush of bottles that that flew towards the police certainly from a you know a very small minority at that stage and I think that was the that was the police's indication that, that force had been used on them and, and police saw that as their invitation to, to put an end to it. And it, it did end pretty swiftly. But until then, it, it had been a, a peaceful protest from, you know, when the sun was out and, and me and Samuel were both there, there was there was a lot of laughter at the songs. There was a lot of laughter at, at some of the homemade banners that were there. There was banners lining up on that possibly way, some very ingenious banners, some very humorous banners, some very offensive banners, all with the, the pretty same message against the Glazers and... and pushing for, for fan ownership or, or fan involvement on the board. And certainly, you know, until it ended very, very quickly, unfortunately, it was boisterous, but peaceful. And from, I've mean, spoken to people at, at the library, as, as Samuel had, I think it was the same there, that it, it was probably more peaceful there. There was some certainly some minor incidents later on I think but for the most part there it was it was peaceful and and as Samuel said you know it's we're all journalists it's the worst feeling when you turn up as a journalist for a story and then realize the story's actually taking place a couple of miles away but but that was the case and and the action was was certainly at at the Lowry what happened at Old Trafford was was very visible and getting on the pitch and things like that certainly made it a very visible and, and dramatic protest there but the real issue was always going to be at the Lowry and it was obvious from just before midday when when the fans there had arranged to meet that that was that was going to be the biggest um, sort of prevention of the game going ahead.
1: Yeah, I guess my next question, Samuel, is a is a fairly simple one. It was it is it a good thing that the game was postponed? Is it a good thing for the movement and for the message that that it was trying to be put across? Or or as you said, Samuel, some fans didn't want the game um, postponed, but they still protested. It, it's an interesting one.
2: From the protesters point of view, I'd say it was a good thing because it was the most effective form of protest. It's the biggest game in British football. It's one of the biggest games in world football. To actually stop it from taking place is is a victory. It's, you know, it's, it's the best way, given the circumstances on Sunday, it was the best way possible of harming the Glazer family because it's embarrassing for them. And it's embarrassing for them to be responsible for that as well there's been a very uneasy alliance between manchester united supporters and the glazer family for 16 years and that alliance is is over now it's it, it, it ceased with that betrayal over the super league and the super league is is irrelevant now you know that's that's a thing of the past it's it's defunct it's dead but this has been but it's been used as a lightning rod to go after the glazers to challenge their ownership to demand change i suppose at this at this stage it's still premature to to truly analyze what change that will be and i don't think the Glazers necessarily know what's going to happen or what might happen they've they've been very unmoved during past protests but this is different when you when you're getting a game to be postponed and you do it through a largely peaceful protest as well it's not like it was you know it's not like it was the Peterloo Massacre or something extreme like that. It, it, there was there were a couple of there was one arrest I think at the Lowry. There's the very unfortunate incident where a police officer has been slashed in the face, and there were the violent scuffles at Old Trafford. We I don't think we've had a, a final toll for how many people were arrested, but I don't imagine it will be that many. Which it, I mean, it's going to be a small percentage of the overall crowd that were involved in those protests at Old Trafford and at the Lowry. And I think as one United fan said on Twitter, if if you're a fan and you're moaning about the kickoff time being postponed, you're you're part of the problem, which is a pretty extreme outlook on it. But it's clearly a view that I think was shared by the majority there yesterday. But we've we've seen this morning that I mean the Manchester United supporters trust have already kind of broken ranks and said that you know, they don't want scenes like yesterday to happen every weekend and from journalistic perspective I don't either because it's going to be exhausting otherwise I mean the only saving yeah. grace I suppose on Sunday was that we didn't have to tweet or Facebook or Instagram or do any of that and the social media side of it is is so time consuming and sometimes it's tedious sometimes it's it's overwhelming, but it, it did feel odd being at the scene of all that happening yesterday, and not being able to inform people immediately what of, of what was happening, because Twitter is the it's the quickest source for breaking news, and it has been for probably upwards of a decade now. So the, the boycott ends, and there's going to be a hell of a lot more exposure that United protests get from now on. If there are more protests, I would imagine that there will be some manner of protest between now and the end of the season because they've, they have yeah. got what, three, three more home games, I think. It's Liverpool, Liverpool Leicester and Fulham. Aston Villa, I mean, Villa Park isn't far away if, if they really want to, if, if there's a, a mob or, or certainly a, a section of that militant support that want to go there and, and cause further disruption. And let's face it, it wouldn't be the first time United fans have, have been on the Villa Park pitch either. So I, I think the club are probably bracing themselves for more uh, disruptions between now and the end of the season. Unfortunately for them... Their training base, the, the, the road into Carrington is extremely narrow, uh, so it's not difficult blocking those entrances. And the Lowry Hotel is an absolute nightmare uh, to get out of at the best of times you know, a few seasons ago or two seasons ago, whenever it was. They were all the late arrival times at the stadium because they weren't they were getting caught up in the Manchester traffic and that's partly because of where the Lowry is located. It was quite amusing actually that when when we got to the stadium yesterday, uh, Simon Peach said, Oh, we can we can walk to the Lowry. I said, Well what? You know, he said, oh it's it's just only it's over the Keys. I said, no, that's the Lowry outlet. Um the the hotel isn't over there. All all this time he, he thought United lived just across the Salford Keys and um, I did I did think that, that,
1: that for house, a while you know. myself, I have to say.
2: I, it's, it's I'm sure it's a mistake many have made. But no, it's it's you know the, where the hotel is. It's in the city centre. It's just it's by King Street West, which is you know just off Dean's Gate. So it's not really conducive to to get into games when the traffic is is you know, when the traffic is as bad as it has been in Manchester in recent years. And um, whether they yeah you know, feel as though they need to change uh, things, uh, time will tell. But it did seem they were very very naive in the way they went about it. Security on Saturday night at the Lowry were pretty relaxed. They didn't think protesters would even turn up at the Lowry. But from what I was told, probably close to two weeks ago, I think even before before the Carrington protests, I think the Lowry was a place of interest for um, a section of the supporters.
1: Absolutely. I'm sure we can expect security measures to be uh, stepped up. And like you say, Samuel, further protests to occur as the next few home games um, come round, and maybe even away games, like you say. Samuel also there, Tyra, mentioning the, the statement from the supporters' trust. Um, what they said was this has been 16 years in the making. There's been an uneasy truce with the Glazers uh, throughout that time. And obviously the European Super League brought that all to bear. The Glazers obviously got a, you know, got a problem and they, they're they not really going to be able to deal, deal with this unless they give the fans what they want and what Gary Neville and Roy Keane said on Sky Sports, which is to to give up, you know, some or all of the ownership, but but how how likely even is that?
0: Oh I suppose that's the the billion dollar, billion dollar question, question, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um I mean the, certainly what this does is, you know, it's interesting that what Samuel was saying about people who were leaving it at three ish to to try and go and watch the game. And you know, there was probably a lot of people there who wanted to turn up, sing a few anti glazer songs, wave a few anti glazer placards and then and then go and watch the game. But you know, we've we've seen that this this family don't care about protests they don't care if there's green and gold scarfs in every other seat inside Old Trafford they don't care if David Beckham's wearing a green and gold scarf they don't care if the entire ground is singing we want Glazers out they didn't care in 2005 about the protests to try and stop their ownership all of them were easily ignored they can sit there in Florida watch Old Trafford turn green and gold watch people sing songs about how much they ate them and it doesn't matter because the game's still going ahead and the money's still rolling in What yesterday did was was hit them where it hurts. Their cash cow wasn't on the pitch. Their cash cow, you know, the the cash machine stopped yesterday. There was no withdrawal at the cash machine for the Glazers yesterday. And that is a problem. People waving green and gold scarves might look great to to fans and it might look like a good protest. And it isn't to an extent a good protest, but it doesn't hurt the Glazers. This hurts the Glazers. And if there's the possibility of it happening again, it hurts them even more. And it does feel like there is... Significant momentum behind these protests now. The supporters trust certainly feel that momentum is on their side, that the the law might be on their side soon in terms of legislation changes and a desire for, if not fan ownership, then fan representation on boards at at the very least. So it it does feel like there is momentum behind them at at the moment. It was noticeable from the open letter that must have written to them this morning that that they've demanded a, a response from Joel Glazer in public and in writing by Friday which shows, I guess, how bolshy the, the supporters' trust are feeling, putting such stringent time demands on it, how confident they're feeling after yesterday's protests. And, you know, they, they say they don't want more protests, but that is obviously conditional on getting a response by Friday. And obviously United don't play at home again until a week on Wednesday when there has to be a possibility of, of more scenes like this. And it's, it's, it's pretty clear now that it's not going to be a case of people going to the ground and Wave twirling a few green and gold scarves and singing a few anti-glazer songs. The protests are going to take on a stronger element now. What happened at Carrington ten days ago was was just the start of it. This protest at, at the Lowry yesterday was, you know, it was arranged from what we gathered over over WhatsApp through fans. There was seen, you know, maps that were marked with the possible exits from the Lowry for for areas to cover. So there was everyone who went there, went there with a tacit understanding that the intention was was to stop the game from being played. And that is you know that is one form of protest that the Glazers simply cannot ignore. They spent 16 years ignoring Manchester United fans, and it's it's probably been easy for them to ignore Man United fans. But yesterday was was the first day probably where United fans were ignorable no longer as as hard as they might have tried.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's very well said, actually, Ty. You have to say what of, the, of this possible ramifications, Samuel? Possible points deduction um, being talked about? Premier League and, and FA. Uh, sanctions seem to be a little confusing on on that, but I think there's precedent for clubs who've had games called off as a of protest. But I mean, does that again? Does that tie into what the fans wanted to achieve? Is, does that does that even matter in the in the wider context of of this protest and, and actioning some sort of um, movement, some sort of change from the Glazers?
2: I don't think the fans really care about points deductions. How much it hurts the Glazers financially if if they have. As many points deducted that means that like, they, they're not in the Champions League next season. Uh, I think that'll just probably fuel the, the victory even more if, if that does happen. I, I don't think it will. It's, it's just one of those annoying questions that gets raised when I think it really does detract from the essence of the protest. Like, oh, are Manchester United going to get a points deduction for this game not going ahead? It's it's relevant but it just it, it also feels quite moot at the moment. Uh, I, I think that there needs to be clarity offered from the FA or the Premier League on on that. I mean it's you know I think Ty was saying, didn't you say Ty about this Leighton Orient game a few years ago when the protesters yeah. cleared <laughs> the protesters cleared off because they were told the game wasn't going ahead and then as soon as they cleared off they, they played the game, which, you know, they're probably they probably should have considered yesterday, even though it didn't seem viable at all. But clearly with this game, I mean, why aren't they playing it today at midday? We all know why, yeah. because it's not a peak time for worldwide audience. And that's probably why Sky felt quite uncomfortable with what was going on yesterday, because they were allowed to play, they were allowed to take the more high ground over the Super League, even though the Super League, I suppose, was kind of, you know, spawned from sky sports monopolizing uh, top like top flight football in this country uh, through the, the inception of the premier league in in 1992 but now that their coverage has been disrupted uh, in a pretty unprecedented way i mean you know we had the bournemouth incident five five years ago at old trafford but that was because you know there, there was a bomb scare that that fortunately was just a scare it, it wasn't anything tangible at all so now it's you know is this right is this wrong and unfortunately, pundits are making the majority of pundits. It seems already are looking very, very ill-informed. I was staggered when I was just reading what Graham Unes said yesterday. Mike Richards is, you know, pretty much the chief Manchester City spokesperson. And it's easy for him to say because Manchester City fans haven't shown any backbone to protest since the Super League uh, came to light. They are the only. They are the only section of supporters from the six clubs who are involved with it who haven't put out a prominent protest Leeds United fans did more protests than the Manchester City fans and the reason why that is is because City were quite canny the way they went about it they they did a very notable brief before the Super League became official which suggested that they were railroaded into signing up to it I think they were the first to withdraw as well and of course their uh their owners have um of banks an awful lot of credits with with City if, if you're going to compare the ownership of City and United in terms of who runs a football club better there's no no comparison it's it's City's obviously the sad thing about it is that these owners have used City as their western commodity and City fans by and large don't really care about that they don't really care about the human rights abuse uh, allegations and although you know th- there's there's so much out there that, that covers that and I think Nicholas McGeegan's piece from a few years ago is probably the definitive read on that, which is pretty jaw-dropping, to say the least. But because City are successful, because they have the best manager in the world, and because these owners have made them successful, Sheikh Mansour, I should say, uh, and Khaldun Al Mubarak, they don't want to protest. So I think it was, was it Liam Gallagher who tweeted something like how embarrassing United fans were the embarrassing fans in Manchester have been City fans because they've done absolutely nothing about this. There was an awful lot of bluster on social media about what we, you know, we're going to boycott season tickets. But I heard a lady on the radio driving back saying, you know, she was she was a United fan, and she was outraged by the protest, and, and she said, you know, they need to write to Joel Glazer. And
0: <laughs> I,
2: know, I know they, say, I know they say the pen is mightier than the sword, but how very British. It, yeah. You know, I'm going to write a letter of complaint. You've you've got to be you've got to be doing what they were doing yesterday, as peaceful as possible, and and it worked. The peaceful side of it did work. That's that's what needs to be emphasised. United fans, by and large, were peaceful, and they got that game postponed through peaceful protesting. They didn't, yeah. you know, the, the the violence. I wouldn't say you could take the violence out of it, and that game would still have been postponed yesterday. And so, United fans this morning, I think one of them said yesterday, you know, this it's time for the other club's supporters to step up now, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, because they have gone out and protested since the, the Super League announcement 15 days ago. I think he tagged on, there's no point in even asking City. And that is probably a fair comment, really. I can understand why City fans haven't protested, but I think United fans will always have that moral high ground now. And it's quite reassuring to know that if... If and when it comes to the Glazer family uh, selling up, if they dare consider selling to some Middle Eastern overlord who's got blood on his hands, there will be protests about that as well, as there should be, because as bad as the Glazers are, I do not want Manchester United and Manchester City being these Western commodities of absentee owners who's, you know, human rights abuse list. I mean, it's, it just fills me with dread the possibility of Saudi Arabian interference in, in Manchester United. Just You only have to look at the Khashoggi, just the brutality of that, for it to make your stomach churn for United to even be owned by a Saudi Arabian entity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. At one point, I was going to make as well was the comments by Alan Shearer on Match of the Day two when he he said, "Well, you know, City City, the only club who spent more than United in recent uh, years since Ferguson's retirement, oh. and United spend, um, you know, has been big enough on players." I think that was entirely missing the point of um, yeah. of how the Glazers have run United and at the com- you know the commercial success, which is that. Obviously, fueled by the fans rather than fueled by uh, the Glazers' um, own pockets. But maybe we should uh, move swiftly on from Alan Shearer and not give him as much airtime as, as he deserves. Or maybe we should talk, Samuel, about the reaction of the fans and the, and the manager on a good of Solskjaer stuck inside the Lowry Hotel uh, while all this went on uh, on Sunday afternoon. There were some pictures of them looking out of the window. They're in a strange position now. I suppose Solskjaer is in a strange position. The next time he speaks about this, he did say before the. the the proposed game on Sunday that he respects fans' right to protest peacefully. But obviously the Glazers are his paymasters. And, you know, it's going to be a balance that he's going to have to strike when he does speak.
2: Yeah, uh, I thought he spoke very well about it. Was it before the, what game was was it? Before the Leeds game? I think it was before the Leeds game because there was that long period where where the Super League came and went and, and he didn't have to address the media, which was probably just as well, and it's just as well for United that their next game is actually being played overseas, although I'm sure some United fans will point out that you can quite easily drive to Rome as well, although maybe not as easily as in previous years due to the pandemic. But, yeah, I think it's safe to say that that game will go ahead with, with a minimum of fuss. And he, he is in a tricky position in the you know, I, I'm not. I'm not so sure he will come out and be in support of the game being postponed. It. I, I imagine it will be quite frustrating for him and and the players that they were cooped up in a hotel for the best part of 24 hours. It's, it's first world problems, but it's 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 not what they want to be doing. I was told that when they did eventually leave yesterday, the the coach didn't go straight to Old Trafford, where which is where the players' vehicles are kept. So. They possibly went to Carrington to have a warm down session because they were just you know, cooped up all that time and uh, weren't able to limber up or anything or, or go out to go outside. So it'd be interesting when this social media boycott ends, whether any of the players that offer an opinion on, on what happened and what their thoughts are, because I think that is probably the next significant step for United fans in terms of this protest it's where they can get some players on side. They, they failed to do that with the green and gold protests. And the green and gold protest was captivating, but very, very flawed. You saw people going into Old Trafford with a green and gold scarf, but underneath it, they had a replica Man United shirt. So Joel Glazer and Avram Glazer must have been you know, fits of laughter at that, the fact that they were protesting, in inverted commas, but also lining their pockets. Uh, And I think Gary Neville at the time was reluctant to go on the record about it. And when his book came out about a year later, he was quite dismissive of the protests. His outlook on that all now is very, very different. But what matters is whether a current United player feels emboldened or feels the need to actually speak out and show solidarity with the supporters. And they can do that in, they can do that from. Well, I can do that now if they want to, but I suppose the boycott ends at midnight tonight, doesn't it? So it'll be interesting to see if any of them do um, do poke their head above the parapet on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, Tyrone, I was going to ask ask you what you think the next stage of this is. Obviously, as Samuel says, it's very unlikely that we'll see mass scenes in Rome uh, on Thursday night for the Europa League second leg, uh, the semi-final that's going to take place, um, away game then against Aston Villa. We still don't know when this Liverpool game will be rescheduled, but you obviously expect United to, United fans to to mobilise again at some point, and for this not to go away unless something actually happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the the first. The first sort of staging post is, does Joel Glazer reply to that letter by Friday, as the Supporters Trust have have demanded? And if he does, what does he have to say? And, and does that change anything? I mean, it's clear the, the Supporters Trust is not demanding that he sells the club. And I think what they are demanding is is very sensible. As much as a lot of United fans there yesterday might want them to sell immediately, that's unlikely and also, as Samuel touched on previously, it you know it's potentially dangerous as well in in terms of who they sell to. I've said before that if they turn around now and said, right, we're selling it, we're sticking that football club on right move, that you know that that's going to sell for three and a half billion pound, four billion pound, and no good can come of a football club being sold at at that price. No one's buying that club as a community asset or for the love of Manchester United at, at that price. So it does feel like the first steps need to be some kind of fan representation on on the board, which is part of what what must have asked for and a change to the shares and share voting rights so what they've asked for is is sensible so the first stage in post is is whether there's a reply to that letter if not then I guess it's eyes on Villa Park and yesterday's protest was very successful security will obviously be stepped up now and I guess it's a case of do the fans want want to try and stop every game taking place was that a one-off for now or, or will there be attempts to, to stop the game on Sunday, or perhaps more more reasonably stop the the Leicester game next Wednesday, which is is the next one at Old Trafford? And if there's no response from from Joel Glazer to that letter, and you know on his on his communication so far with United fans, I think that's the second time in in 16 years. So at the moment, we're due to hear from him in 2029. So if we're surprised <laughs> if we hear from him by Friday, you know there's there's every chance that, that there might be more protests. I guess.
1: Yeah, you, you have to up his uh, his rate of communication certainly if uh, if they're going to get the response that they want. Uh, some closing thoughts from you, Samuel, on what happens next and how this movement might uh, might change and evolve and maybe grow in the next few weeks and months.
2: Well, I think the club are lucky that we are in we are in the running now. We are in the final month of the season. I think the Europa League finals is it three weeks on Wednesday or due to be something like that. So. That, that's the issue with this Liverpool game. There aren't many windows to to get it played. Um, I think United have that free weekend on the 15th and the 16th, uh, which is the FA Cup final weekend, because clearly their Fulham home game is, is scheduled for the week beginning May the 17th. So s- some supporters can, can be back inside Old Trafford to, to watch that one. Uh, I think it's probably in the club's interest to get the Liverpool game played before supporters can legally get back inside stadiums. Uh, you know, it was you, you saw them yesterday. I mean, that they're not allowed inside the stadium, but they got inside the stadium, and it was it was an effective form of, of protest, even though it was illegal. And, and I don't think anybody really expected that to happen. So it's it's difficult really to envisage how it does. How it does go from here? I think must statement is 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 an olive branch to uh, to the Glazer family because as as we've already touched upon, some do want to watch football games and they want to support the team and well, all of them want to support the team, but they want to support them on their own terms and that means protesting to a sufficient enough degree to disrupt matches and and cause chaos and that they certainly excelled in doing that yesterday but there will be i suspect if you like the lowry contingent who probably are happy just to completely you know kibosh the rest of the season and and not get any games played are in the minority because the vast majority of united fans do want to watch the team play and security will be beefed up and i think united are going to have to certainly assess their their pre-match preparations in terms of which hotel they stay in unfortunately for them the MEN always seem to find out where where they are staying and always seem to find out what the squad is as well I mean that 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 was the thing that amused me yesterday that the teams were actually announced Um, I don't don't think they even appeared on the United app or the website but if anyone was wondering I think it was something like was it two changes or one I think it was Henderson and Someone Greenwood, else were in. And, Greenwood yeah, H- yeah. Henderson and Greenwood were in, and, and De Gea and, and Cavani were out. In case anybody was wondering. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens over the next few weeks. Whether you can get that volume of support protesting outside Old Trafford again. What happens at Villa Park because it is it's a pretty nearby ground to get to. Molyneux is isn't far away as well as we've known um, on our travels there, and that's the final day of the season. So pretty much every every game in United's running now. There's there's the potential for some form of disruption or some form of protest because it's not like they're going to Southampton or Bournemouth or Brighton. They it's just you know short trips down the M6 to to Molyneux or to um, to Villa Park. So it's, it promises to be a busy a busy few weeks. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty extraordinary that even though we've you know, we we have all adhered to the social media blackout, not just as in individuals but the MEN's um, United pages as well. And I think yesterday was still by far and away the biggest, because the United event in terms of audience that we've had on, on the website and, and a single ball wasn't even kicked. So that's how effective that protest was, just to add additional context to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. It feels like we have ended on a bit of uncertainty over what happens in the future after giving so much uh, detail and context behind the protest. But I suppose that is the... The, the nature of of this and we'll have to keep you updated obviously on the Manchester is Red podcast uh, over the next few weeks there's a small match of the game against Roma um, on Thursday night we we will talk about that after it happens and when football is maybe uh, more back on the agenda than it, it seems to be at the moment it's certainly uh, very much an afterthought after that um, day on Sunday outside Old Trafford but thank you very much um, Samuel and Tyrone for your great insight on this uh, special podcast thank you very much
2: thank you Tom appreciate it thank you, Tom. Thank you.
1: We'll be back on Friday to talk maybe a little bit about the football and about the latest of this movement. Um, So we hope you can join us then. Please leave us a like and a subscribe. And thank you very much for listening.